Will you join me in praying a unison prayer? Generous God, we have tasted and seen that you are good. We have tasted the finest things this world can offer, and they cannot compare to you. Your presence satisfies us like nothing else. You give more joy and deeper joy than anything else in this world. Your love is better than life itself. Continue to teach us what it means to fully trust you. Deliver us from self-sufficiency. We want to seek you above all else, knowing that if we seek you, we won't lack any good thing. Thank you for giving us everything that we need. To you we offer our worship and our praise. Amen. If you're a guest with us today, let me bring you up to speed. Last weekend was a big weekend in the life of this congregation. We called it Miracle Sunday, and we will explain the significance of last Sunday in a little bit more detail later. But basically, it was the culmination of eight months of planning and praying and saving and expecting God to do a miracle in the life of this congregation. The insert in today's worship folder tells you most of what you need to know. Today, we're going to wrap up this teaching series, and we're going to talk a little bit about where we go from here. Next week, we begin an exciting month of November as we are going to be focusing on a couple of our mission uh, ministries of this church. We're going to be confirming uh, some youth, and in a, few, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have another half dozen baptisms or so next month as well. So uh, we hope that you'll be here through November and then as we move on toward the Christmas season. Um, this is a prime opportunity this time of year to invite someone to come with you. Uh, the, the study done a few years ago showed that the average United Methodist Christian across America only invites someone to worship once every 38 years. The average United Methodist only invites someone to come with them to worship once every 38 years. I don't know if some of you have even met that criteria yet. Some of you, some of you have done better than that. So, uh, but, you know, coming into this fall season of the year, November and into December and the Christmas season is a prime opportunity that folks who might not have a church home are often uh, more willing to take a risk and come into a church. So if you know someone, a neighbor, a friend, a co-worker doesn't have a church home, we encourage you to invite them to come with you. We've got lots of great things planned over the next uh, few months. God, God is doing some exciting things in this congregation, and we want you to be part of it and others as well. Bow with me in a moment of prayer, will you? <clears throat> God, you call us from our work during the week to a time of worship with you today. Help us to respond to the movement of your spirit among us. You are the creator of all things. You are the one who calls rich and poor to meet together, for we are all worthy in your sight. So help us today as we hear your word to put our trust in you and you alone. You are the one who guides all of life with your powerful hand and fills each one of us with hope. So be among us today in this worship service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last Sunday was our Miracle Sunday. We started out last March with a very, very large goal of receiving an offering on October 22nd for the purpose of reducing or eliminating our current indebtedness of $1.1 million on this facility. We knew that there was no financial downside to this vision. Any amount of debt that we could eliminate would put us in a better position to do more effective ministry in the future. 
Today as we gather together in worship, we are primarily here to give thanks to God. Uh, When the dust settled at the end of last Sunday, this congregation committed $902,726. Wow, yeah. Um, So... But since then, we've continued to receive some gifts, and the, and the total uh, continues to climb. The last number I saw a few days ago was just over $930,000. This is my 30th year here at Redeemer as your pastor, and in that time, there have been many ups, a few downs, a lot of good times, and a few difficult ones. But God has never stopped loving us or directing our steps. I'm very clear about the fact that this is God's church and we rejoice in his goodness. All the glory for whatever we may have been able to accomplish in these years together goes to God. But the question on some of our minds today is, where do we go from here? Where do, uh, where do we aim in the future? What are our goals and purposes from this point forward? And I'd like to try to answer those questions from two perspectives this morning. The first is over um, the last eight months, we've said that we believe that eliminating this large debt and freeing up over $10,000 a month in mortgage payments would enable us to do some things that we believe God is calling us to do in our future. One of those things may be a building addition to this facility. Some of our staff and leadership folks told me this week that they've been, been having conversations with some of you who have been asking about a future building project. And you are right to assume that in many of our classroom areas for children and for youth especially, we're out of space. We are cramped for office space, for lobby and gathering areas, for nursery and so much more across this building. We have had some very preliminary discussions with three architect firms as we begin to think about the possibilities going forward. But there are no plans currently on the drawing board. There are no contracts or commitments in place to move forward at this time. There are many things for our leadership folks and our staff to figure out before we move in that direction. And I promise you that if it becomes a reality, a reality to build, you'll be the first to know. One of the things that sometimes happens when a church does what we just did and, and pays off debt is that a congregation stops giving thinking that their financial support of this facility is no longer needed, and I hope that's not true here. Our desire is that if you've been supporting the building fund or the capital fund, that you keep doing that, the funds that we receive after this debt is completely paid off will be reserved for expansion and other projects in the future. There are several other options that we're looking at, though, as well. If we we have more financial resources to work with, on a month-to-month basis. And I'm pretty sure there are many uh, more ways we can continue to fulfill our vision uh, to being a transforming presence in this community through our outreach, through our partnership with other organizations. We thought for a while that God was calling us perhaps to expand our presence in other neighborhoods around the Tri-County area and become a church in multiple locations. We have been asked several times by our district superintendent to step up and uh, consider adopting a struggling congregation because we have the resources and we have the DNA to help other churches to become vital again. So far, we have not felt God's call to say yes to any of those opportunities, but the requests keep coming. 
the one open door of ministry that God has placed in front of us and is giving us great passion to pursue is connecting with churches that are struggling all across the state of Michigan through our 180 Turnaround Church Conference. This is a one-day event in March, and the follow-up that we are doing in a variety of churches and locations is being used by God to bring renewal and hope to pastors and to congregations that in some cases are struggling to survive. So the bottom line is this. I can't tell you today exactly what God has for us to do in the near future. There are a lot of possibilities to expand our ministry that are opening before us all the time. What I am excited about is that we are a congregation that is open to God's leading and to God continuing to surprise us as we put our faith and our trust in him. And if last weekend has taught us anything, it should be that we, when we give up control and come to God in total dependence on his leading, God doesn't let us down. In fact, sometimes we see the miraculous happen. Now, the second perspective is this. Many people say that if a church is growing in people who are committing their life to Jesus Christ, they're growing in membership, growing in giving, and building larger facilities, that proves that the ministry of that church is effective. So if we emphasize quantifiable successes like that, Redeemer has been successful. We continue to grow in numbers. Lives are being changed for the better. Our budget is growing. Our facility has expanded a couple of times in the last 30 years, but I wonder if this view of success is all that God wants from us. You see, this view of success tends to produce spiritual consumers who go to church only if and as long as the church is attractive to them. So churches that can create powerful religious experiences and draw large numbers of people on the power of their appeal are rewarded with large growing numbers. And most churches want to be successful like that. But is that what the Lord ultimately wants from us? Another view of the church is that in, is kind of in contradiction to the success model is called the faithfulness view. And this is the idea that the only true criterion for the church is, is faithfulness to God. All that matters is that a church be sound in doctrine, godly in character, and faithful in preaching and outreach. But this view is an oversimplification that has some dangers as well. The famous 19th century English Baptist preacher, Charles Spurgeon, pointed out that it takes more than faithfulness to make a, a healthy church. He talked about churches that pride themselves in being faithful and deeply committed to the work of ministry, but nothing comes of it. And he said, these are churches with a significant problem. There is little learning taking place, few lives are being really changed, and they are working hard, but they do not bear fruit. And here's his point. Something more than faithfulness is needed to determine whether we're being ch the church we should be or even could be. So what then, God, what then does God have for Redeemer when he blesses us with so much? Near the end of his life here on earth, Jesus said this to his disciples and to all of us who follow him. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. The word you in this verse is plural. The second part of the verse is a purpose clause. I chose you and I appointed you collectively so that you go and produce fruit. And I think that's what God wants from us. He wants us to produce fruit. 
the Apostle Paul spoke of the pastoral nature of a congregation as a form of gardening. And he talked to the Corinthian believers about being God's field. And his point was that we must be faithful in our work, but we must also be skillful so that the garden will be fruitful. That's what God wants from us. Now, the reason that the church exists is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. St. Paul said in the New Testament book of Romans, chapter 1, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. The good news of Jesus Christ that we proclaim has three significant points. First, Jesus, the Son of God, emptied himself and became a servant. The story of Jesus is a story of God who turned everything that this world holds dear and lives for completely upside down. The God of the universe, the creator of all, became human and demonstrated humility. Secondly, Jesus, the Son of God, died on a cross as a sacrifice for our sins. The message of Jesus gives us new birth from the inside out, and this new life is not achieved by good works, but by grace through faith. Good works is not the reason for salvation, but the result of salvation. And then third, Jesus, the Son of God, rose from the grave as the first fruit, the beginning of a whole new renewed world, showing that the best was yet to come. The gospel of Jesus Christ, as St. Paul tells us, is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. The fruit of the gospel is the new birth that happens in us from the inside out. The life of Jesus drives us then to be a servant. It gives hope beyond this earthly existence. And that's what we want to continue to see more of here at Redeemer. And that's why our mission statement talks about connecting people with the love and life of Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who changes lives, and changed people change the world. In this community, there are many who do not yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We know that the area is growing. Houses currently are selling in days, not months. Apartments are going up. There's plenty for the church to be doing, and if each of us would be more intentional about inviting others to experience what we get to experience here every week, we wouldn't be having any empty seats on Sunday. This room would be full. Because when we live out the gospel, there is going to be fruit. There are people who will experience healing and hope and transformation if we will just simply live out the faith that we profess. You know, we expanded this facility in 2004 to make more room for children and youth. Both of those areas of our ministry continue to grow. We need more space to continue to do what God has put in our hands to do. We want to be able to sow more seeds, not just to get bigger and not just for the numbers, but to help more people know God and to find hope and to experience grace. The Apostle Paul also spoke of the fruit of godly character in the church. This includes what we've come to know as the fruit of the Spirit in his message to the church in Galatia. Things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. You see, what we do to serve the poor, all of our acts of mercy and deeds of kindness are called fruit as well. After we proclaim the gospel of our Lord, we must also lead people 
onto a pathway toward discipleship. Being a Christ follower is about living a changed or transformed life, but it's also about living as a follower of Jesus. Everyone in this congregation is at some point on a spiritual journey. We have people who are more mature in their faith. We have folks who are brand new Christians. We have everything in between. And we plan to launch a new initiative sometime in the early part of the new year that will hopefully lay the foundation for sustained spiritual transformation. As Christ followers, we can't just stay where we are with the same value system and the same mindset all of our life. As the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 12, we must constantly be transformed by the renewing of our mind. In other words, we're to be growing in our faith. Do we love God more today than we did last year? Are we growing in our faith? Are we more faithful to God this year than we were last year? Are we growing in love and grace toward each other? Are we willing to be a servant both within and outside the walls of this church? Are we growing in our knowledge of God? Are we continuing to learn about God's word and God's ways? Are we being obedient to what we've learned? Do we have an increasing desire to study and apply God's word in our life? Are we praying more? Are we building each other up through prayer? Are we bringing Christ into our homes, in our workplaces more this year than last? We're, we are working on redesigning our adult learning opportunities and our small groups so that we'll be more effective in teaching the Word of God. We're working on a plan to train up more small group leaders. We're constantly looking for ways to connect the generations and provide faith to those who are coming along behind us. See, these are just some of the things that we're committed to doing in the, few, in the months ahead. We firmly believe that God has chosen us as a congregation here in DeWitt and appointed us to bear fruit for the kingdom. We continue to measure ourselves by the fruit that the Holy Spirit bears through us. We can't be satisfied with what we've done in the past. We want to do more. We want more fruit. We want to connect more and more people with the love and life of Jesus Christ. So where do we go from here? Well, we're not going to be satisfied until we do all that we can do to give people around us the opportunity to confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We're not going to be satisfied with being a church that's, you know, this big and no bigger. We will continue to grow as God opens new doors of ministry for us. We're not going to be satisfied until the walls that separate people are broken down and we can celebrate the bond that draws us together because we're all one in Jesus Christ. We're not going to be satisfied until our kids and our youth grow up to love and serve the Lord because our ministry to kids and youth will continue to be a priority. We're not going to be satisfied until every new Christian has an opportunity to grow into a mature believer. We're going to be offering small groups and other learning opportunities for all adults. And we're not going to be satisfied until people who come to this church understand that God loves them. And and are filled with the knowledge that grace and hope abound in this place. Hospitality is what draws people in and makes them want to stay. See, God still has a lot of work for us to do. And Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce 
lasting fruit. Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the vine and we are the branch. Help us day by day to abide in you, to be fruitful in all that we say and do. We know that without you, we can do nothing. But we also know that as we rest in you, we can produce the kind of fruit that is pleasing to God. So help us as we continue to move forward with you to remain in close contact with the one who can truly do the impossible. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.